Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. Hello, City of Life. I love you guys so much. I'm excited to be with you today. We got Revival Sundays. Are you ready? Is your heart filled up? Do you have a lot of anticipation? I pray you do, because I think God is going to meet every single one of us exactly where we are. Again, my name is Earl. I am honored to be with you today. I'm praying for you and trusting for God to meet us. You already know this, but you have two of the most amazing pastors on the entire planet. We love pastors Jeff and Amy Smith Wow, wow, wow. I mean, are there any people that are even better than them? No. I mean, who loves like them? Who's kind like them? Who's as talented as they are? They are in a class all by themselves. Honestly, the way they have loved, the way they have served, the way they have poured their life into you and to Florida and into the world has been absolutely inspiring. We have laughed, my wife and I have laughed with them on a number of occasions till, till tears are running down our cheeks. They are those ride or die kind of friends, individuals that you know you can trust, individuals you know will have your back. Uh, but for them to take out this time and open up the church and say, hey, we wanna have some revival Sundays. We don't want to just have some regular Sundays. We want to have revival Sundays. And I know you guys have been in revival for a long time, meaning God has been using your church to inspire not only our church, but churches all over the world. And he is not done yet. As a matter of fact, even on this Revival Sunday, I want you again to have your eyes open, your heart open, and get ready for all that God has in store. Because I do not believe he is done with you yet. I do not believe that he is done with City of Life. I don't think he's done with your life. I don't think he's done with your family. I don't think he's done with your future. As a matter of fact, every plan and purpose that God has put on the inside of you is going to come to pass. He is going to fulfill every promise he gave you, and he loves you, and he is going to move in your heart and your life. And today, we're going to be empowered. We're going to get prepared to make it on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, I have a message I want to share this evening from the book of Nehemiah. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If you have your phone, you can flip there. You can go ahead and uh, if you're taking notes, we're going to title this, I'm a builder. I'm a builder. Go ahead and write it in the chat. Go ahead and say it to your friend next to you. Say it to your roommate or say it to your cat or puppy that you might have in your lap right now. I'm a builder. You can say it to the person sitting next to you. I'm a builder. I'm not somebody that tears down. I'm somebody that builds, builds up. I'm a builder. I'm not someone that's trying to destroy. I'm somebody that's, that I'm trying to allow God to use my hands, use my life, use my words, use my body, use my money, use my energy, use my talents, use my gifts to build, to lift up, to help people become who God has called them to be. I'm a builder. I'm a builder. Nehemiah chapter one. Nehemiah has some, some family members visit him. And they said to me, he asked them, how's everything going back at home? In verse number three, they said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. 
when I heard these things. Verse number four, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Then I said, and he goes into this beautiful, poetic and powerful prayer. Nehemiah is, uh, is in a different place. And he hears about his people. He hears about his hometown. If you're in Florida, maybe you weren't born and raised in Florida because there's a lot of folks in Florida that aren't from Florida. Maybe you're from New York. <laughs> maybe you're from someplace else up north and you moved down to Florida for the better weather because you wanted to be closer to Mickey. Who knows why you moved down to Florida? And you can think about the place that you grew up, the home that you lived in, the neighborhood you remember first riding a bike or going to elementary school. And Nehemiah here is asking his brothers and saying, hey, hey, what's it like back home? What's it like with those friends we used to hang out with? How's, how's the old crew? And he hears, he hears things aren't well. He hears the walls have been torn down. He hears that, that life is difficult. He hears that things aren't going according to plan. You see, when walls are torn down, it speaks to a people and a nation being uh, vulnerable. It speaks to a people uh, open to oppression and, and problems and pain. When we hear about walls being torn down, it sounds a little to me like the day and age we live in. When there are individuals all over the globe that are feeling like, I don't know which way is up. Many of us have buried family members. Others of us, through the midst of this pandemic, have gone through some massive difficulty where we've lost a job or we've been furloughed. Or, or maybe we have lost some friends because their political views are different than our political views. Or maybe we posted something or dis didn't post something. And now we've got some walls that have been torn down and some relationships are not just going the way they used to go. We can remember a day when things were, were fantastic. We can remember a day when folks were skipping in the streets. I remember in the neighborhood I, I grew up in. I, I grew up in the inner city in uh, Providence, Rhode Island. So, so our water park was when you went to the fire hydrant with one of those big wrenches. You know, you went to the fire hydrant and you unscrewed that fire hydrant and took it off and the water started flowing out. And then you put your hands in front of it and you made a little waterfall and the kids are all running up and down the streets. And then one day the fire department comes in and they turn off the water because everybody but his water pressure is jacked up uh, in the neighborhood. I remember those fond memories, man, so much fun. But then I also remember crack cocaine coming into the neighborhood. And I remember the prostitution. And I remember the gangs that started forming. I remember how some friends of mine didn't make it out. I, I can think back and I know that some walls have been torn down. And emotionally and mentally and we know spiritually it is like that all over the globe. People's lives being tormented, whether it's alcoholism or pornography or racism, discord, division. 
There's a lot of different things going on now. You're like, man, I didn't come to revival night to get this downer. I'm, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to depress any of us at all. I'm just trying to let us know that what Nehemiah is experiencing here is something that we're experiencing now. And Nehemiah, he cried, he wept. He mourned, he fasted, he prayed, he turned to God. And dare I say, it's time for the church to mourn and weep, but we also got to fast and pray. And we're not turning to a politician. We're not turning to a family member. We're not turning to our money. We're not turning to our employment. We're not turning to the CDC. My friends, we are turning to the God of heaven because what we need can only come from him. And the power that we need can only come from him so church family city of life I'm wondering are you ready are you willing to be who God has called you to be and to cry out to him and say God we are desperately in need for you we need you to pour out your spirit we need you to pour out your love we need you to pour out your power we need you to pour out your grace we need you to pour out your mercy we need you to pour out your truth because apart from you we can do nothing wonder is the church once again ready to be the church? Shout, I'm a builder. I'm a builder. I'm a builder. Walls are torn down, but that's why I'm here, because I'm a builder. Lives have been messed up, but I'm a builder. Families are being torn apart, but I'm a builder. Divorce is running rampant, but I'm a builder politicians and so many folks are CNN, MSNBC and Fox News and so many folks are trying to tear us apart but I'm a builder. Individuals are trying to say I got to choose sides but I'm a builder. I'm, I'm called to be the hands and feet of Jesus in my generation. I'm a builder. I'm not someone trying to tear people down because they're different from me. No. I'm a builder. I, even though you might not believe what I believe, I'm a builder. I'm like Nehemiah. I feel a mandate from heaven I feel a burden from heaven to be who God has called me to be. I'm a builder. I'm a builder. So he prays. And then he has an interesting job, friends. He has a really interesting job, a job that is a lot better than your job and my job. Well, let me say it's not better. Uh, unique. It's unique. He's the cupbearer for the king. So what essentially what that means is he, he like drinks the cup before the king drinks the cup. He kind of tastes the food before the king tastes the food. And he's not doing this because he's a sous chef. No, no, he's not the sous chef. They do this because if someone's trying to poison the king, Nehemiah will die and <laughs> not the king. So the food's prepared and then it's given to Nehemiah and they watch. So Nehemiah comes over. <coughs> nope, 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 okay, nope, I'm good, I'm good. And then they pass it on to the king. So let's say three, three meals a day. This guy's putting his life on the line. <laughs> three meals a day, he is over here trying to figure out if this is gonna be my last meal. Three meals a day. He's trying to figure out if this is my last drink of Canada Dry. I don't even know why I picked Canada Dry. Who doesn't like Canada Dry, though? And he tastes it. And if he doesn't die, it gets given to the king. And one day he comes to the king. 
And the king can see that he's downcast. He's sad, and the king asks him what's going on, and Nehemiah gets to share how things are, are messed up in the world. And, and he's like, hey, king, can I go help? Can I do something about this? And there's so much favor on his life. I think there's favor on Nehemiah's life, even though he was in a spot he didn't want to be in and had a job he didn't want to have. It's interesting that that job that he probably didn't want to have and the spot that he didn't want to be in was actually the place that God was positioning him perfectly so that when this problem of the walls being torn down came, Nehemiah had the ear of the king. He didn't have to go through somebody else, but he actually got to talk to the person in charge and the person in charge gave him basically a blank check. Go ahead, go back and fix what's broken can I just tell you right now you might be complaining about a spot that God has you in and you think it has everything to do with right now but it has nothing to do with right now it actually has something to do with two years from now and the relationships that you are building right now are strategic for a problem that's in the future so if you would be willing to be faithful where God has planted you if you'd be willing to stay faithful where God has put you and I'm not saying don't dream but I'm just saying sometimes God is willing to do some things as a matter of fact it's not just sometimes all the time God is willing to do things that are beyond our understanding because his ways aren't our ways aren't our ways and his thoughts aren't our thoughts as high as the heavens are above the earth so are his ways higher than our ways and his thoughts higher than our thoughts so are you willing church family are you willing to say God I don't understand but I'll be faithful God I'm hurting but I'll be faithful God I'm not sure but I'll be faithful God my, there's a lot of pressure on my shoulders right now but I'll stay faithful and in, when you stay faithful you you will be surprised at how God will open up the right door at the right time with the right relationship so that you can do the very thing that he put you on the earth to do. I'm so glad Nehemiah didn't quit. I'm so glad he didn't quit. This dumb job. I was, God didn't give me, he didn't call me to do this. Here I am. I'm just drinking for the king. Here I am just eating food for the king. I'm so glad he did not quit in that job. Had he quit in that job, he would not have been in the right spot where God needed him to be so that God could use him to be the builder that he called him to be. Don't judge the potential of your life on the temporary position that you have right now. Don't do it. God is all-knowing, all-loving, and he has a plan that outmaps all of us. So he ends up, he ends up with this fantastic moment where he is now able to go and rebuild the wall. If you're ever wanting a, a great story, a great biblical story, you, you can go ahead and read through uh, this book. But, but on a personal note, I, I know I, I, felt, I felt some of this. I remember when, when God called my wife and I, and at the time we had two kids, now we, now we have three. Uh, love, love our family uh, so much. Matter of fact, let me give you this quick picture of our family right here. Here's a quick little picture of my family that I love a ton. That's my wife of 23 years. 
Love her a ton. She's beautiful. They say black don't crack. She is a hot mama. She, I love her so much. She's so full of faith and strength. Got our oldest son, Parker, our middle son, Grayson, our 15 and 10. Then we've got a little girl, Elle, who is five years old. Love them so much. When we first moved to Dallas, we only had the two. And then Elle came uh, into our life. Uh, when gets a few years ago now, five years ago, and it's been absolutely beautiful uh, to see our family come together. But driving into into the city and and feeling like I'm supposed to be here, but I'm not sure totally why I'm supposed to be here. I know I'm supposed to plant a church. I know that, and I know our church is supposed to make it on earth as it is in heaven. I know that. And I know our church is supposed to look like heaven. I know that. But why in the world, God, would you send me to Dallas when there's so many churches I want to go to? <laughs> you got T.D. Jakes. You got Robert Morris. You got Tony Evans. You, I might go down the line of just great church after great church after great church in Dallas, Texas. But then as we, we've been here and we've lived, you can just see the walls that are torn down. If you and I are willing not just to look inwardly, but willing to look out into our world that is hurting, you'll see, you and I will see the walls that are torn down. We don't even just need to look at the news. Honestly, if we're willing to stop at a light and look at that panhandler, maybe the homeless man or the homeless woman that's right there, look them in the eyes. We might not give them any money, but at least look at them and see that they are somebody's son or daughter. Even more importantly, they were made in the image of God, just like you and I are made in the image of God. We can see that there's pain and difficulty in our world, and others of us are working in hospitals right now, and we can see how cancer is tormenting families. We can see how diabetes is, is tearing families apart. We can see how drug addiction is really impacting sons and daughters negatively. We, If we are willing to look beyond ourselves and our own problems for a second, we can without a doubt see that walls have been torn down. And if we have been in Dallas, we can see the walls that have been torn down. And I don't know whose fault it is, but I do know that I'm a builder. And I do know sometimes a church can get into this habit of trying to point fingers, trying to figure out whose fault it is. And while everybody is trying to point fingers at whose fault it is, I just think we ought to be busy about what God put us on the earth to do. We ought to be busy about building. We ought to be busy about bringing some lives together. We ought to be busy about bringing hope and life and truth and mercy and compassion to a world that is hurting. Right now, who cares whose fault it is? Just right now, get me to the hospital. Can I just say thank you that your church is a hospital? I want to say thank you that each and every one of you are a part of this life-giving, fantastic church family. You are the doctors and the nurses. You are the anesthesiologists. You are the ones that God has called for such a time as this to be his hands and his feet. So he begins to walk, heads down the journey. And they start building. It's a wonderful story of leadership. There's a lot of stuff in here. Matter of fact, if you ever want a great book to read on the book of Nehemiah, read the book Visioneering. Visioneering. It's by Andy Stanley. 
Great book on leadership. Those of you are entrepreneurs, those of you who are running your own company, or those of you who maybe passed the company on to somebody else, you give them that book. It's in that book that I actually learned vision is a clear mental picture of what could be fueled by the conviction that it should be. One of my favorite quotes on what vision is. Again, vision is a clear mental picture of what could be fueled by the conviction that it should be. So he's got a vision. I want this wall rebuilt. So they start, they start at it. The builders start at it. In verse number six of chapter four, I want you to see, so we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached, you can see it on the screen, half its height. For the people worked with, you can see it, all their heart. Let me read that again. And I want this to sink into all of our hearts. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height for the people worked with all their heart. Nehemiah chapter four, verse number six. I, I like this verse of scripture. I like it a lot uh, because it speaks to the culture, I think, in a very, very specific way. You see here, in order to get the wall to half its height, it's halfway done. It's halfway to the goal. It's halfway to the finish line. Not fully complete, halfway. In order to get it halfway where it's supposed to go, they had to work with all their heart. Do you notice it took their whole heart to get half a wall. And in our day and age, we want to give half a heart to get a whole wall. Are you following me? You see, uh, um, my wife and I was telling you we've been married these 23 years. Love her so, so much. How do you get a 23-year-old marriage? You got to be married for 23 years. I'm not saying our marriage is perfect, but it's, it's pretty darn life-giving. It, it, it's pretty special. I mean, my wife is for me. My wife even dressed me today. She dressed me. She's like, honey, you need to wear this. You're going to be speaking at that uh, fantastic church. You know, Jeffrey and Amy Smith, they're on point. You, wear something nice. Here, here you go. Help, help, help me get dressed. All the husbands, you need to know, say thank you, God, for a wife that will help you get dressed. I just wear what's laid on the bed. Thank you, Jesus. And those single guys, you're still walking around looking like Frodo. Don't, don't worry. One day God's going to bless you with somebody that's going to help you get dressed to. I don't know how the Lord's going to give you a woman with you dressing with that cape on all the time. But if you'd be willing to take off that Harry Potter cape, the Lord will send a woman into your life. That was a word of the Lord for somebody. <laughs> I'm kidding. If you're wearing that cape and God ask you to wear it because that's your style, you go ahead and rock that thing as long as you need to. Single man who will be single forever. So we, we here see in this passage of scripture, you got to work whole heart for even half a wall. I feel like for my wife and I, we're both all in. We're both all in on our marriage. We're both like, hey, here, here's, here's all I am. Here's my weaknesses. Here's my strengths. Here's my shortcomings. Here's the things that I'm great at. Here's the things I'm not so great at. It's like, hey, we're both all in on this. I, I, I like it. It's really, really hard if you have a team and one person's all in and the other person's kind of like, eh, 
We'll see. Uh, honestly, some of y'all might be in dating relationships right now like that. And you might be sitting next to each other right now and somebody is getting really, really embarrassed. Because <laughs> one person's like, hey, I'm ready. Let's do this. Let's go. And the other person's like, ah, uh, not sure. Been burned before. I'm not sure I could take that step. And it's kind of like you're dragging somebody along. Some of you at your jobs, you feel this. A project needs to get done, and you're like, I'm all in. I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to do this. And your supervisor, or you are the, the manager, or you're the, the boss, and you kind of put the team together, and you just feel like I'm kind of dragging this person along. They want, they want a full wall. They want full benefits. They want a full paycheck, but want to give half effort. Hmm. Our day and age maybe has lulled us asleep to think if you give half, you can get whole. But I like this in Nehemiah. I like that it's not an issue of them giving half effort and getting a whole wall. I appreciate Nehemiah writing and letting us know if you want to do something significant, if you want to build a marriage that's worth something, if you want to build a business that's worth something, if you want to help people who are marginalized and disenfranchised, if you want to help people who are homeless, if you want to help those who are stuck in human trafficking, if you want to help individuals that are in the foster care system and don't feel like they have a way out, my friends, you and I can't give half effort and expect a full wall to be built. In order for you and I to get a full wall, we're going to have to at least give full effort. And I wonder, will we be a church? Will we be a people? Will we be a generation that is willing to give the full kind of effort that is needed to get the whole wall up. Are we going to be that? Are we going to live with that kind of generosity? Let me talk about money for just a second. Okay, let me, let me make us uncomfortable for a second. I want us, I dare us, I dare us to be the type of followers of Jesus that actually believe all of our provision comes from God. And since it all comes from him, all of it belongs to him. So God, yes, you can have my 10%, but not even just my 10%. What do you want out of this 90 as well? What about our time? What about our energy? What about the gifts that we have? God, you, you, I'm going to not just serve on Sunday. God, you can have me Monday through Sunday. You can have me every single day of the week. You can have my strengths. You can have my gifts. You can have my talents. You can have all of me because what the world needs is not half-hearted followers of Jesus Christ, not half-all-in followers of Jesus. What our world needs are some individuals that are willing to say, God, I'll give you my whole heart and I trust you to build a whole wall but God I'm not going in halfway I'm not going in halfway with my money halfway with my prayers halfway with my faith halfway with my energy halfway with my love halfway with my compassion I'm going in all the way give somebody a high five next to you I don't know why I said that but that sounds like good preacher stuff Let's high five somebody next to you so we rebuilt the wall to all of it reach half its height for the people worked with all their heart. What would it look like? What would it look like, church family, if you work with all your heart? And you're not working. You're not working to please God like you're performing for him. You're working with your whole heart because of all that he's done for you. 
Can I just even say going back to Nehemiah chapter 2 when Nehemiah goes to the king on some other people's behalf, the people whose walls have been torn down, they don't even know that Nehemiah is speaking up for them. But Nehemiah is like in the gap for these people that he loves so much. Can I just tell you that when they came and they saw Nehemiah, that some of them were thankful. They were like, I appreciate it because you had to go to somebody on my behalf. You had to talk to somebody on my behalf. Can we just say thank you that we have a Savior in Jesus that went on our behalf, that the lives of our life were torn and in ruins, that we were vulnerable, we were lost in our trespasses and sins, but Jesus Christ was willing to say, God, hey, take, put their sin on me, put their brokenness on me, put their guilt on me, put their condemnation on me. I'll take all of it. I'll take every bit of sin, shame, and brokenness, and I'll put it on me so that they can have new life. No wonder the people work with all their heart, because this man went, on, uh, went to God, went to the king on their behalf, and we have a Savior that went to God on our behalf. I'm so thankful. No wonder I'm worshiping loud. No wonder I'm lifting my hands. No wonder I'm trying to clap and dance and sing and give and pray. I'm doing all of this not out of guilt. I'm doing it out of gratitude. He's been so faithful. He's been so good. Hey, I'm about to be all done here, okay? I'm not going to talk your ear off. I'm about to be all finished. How about our last passage of scripture here? Nehemiah chapter 6, Nehemiah chapter 6, whenever you're going to start doing something for God, expect opposition. Whenever you're trying to build something for God, expect people to, to try to stop what God is doing. Remember, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. So we see in Ephesians chapter 6, I'm, I'm doing a lot of uh, talk here. Those of you like, I have no idea what Ephesians is. I have no idea what Nehemiah chapter 6 is. That's okay. Uh, we love you. We all started somewhere. We're all on this journey together. You can Google it. At, or matter of fact, even better, ask a, a leader in the church. Ask a, a group leader. Ask a friend in the church. Hey, what are we talking about here? Because I want to make sure I keep on growing and learning and developing and becoming who God has called me to be. But in Nehemiah chapter 6, When word came to Samballot, Tobiah, Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies that I had rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it, though up to that time I had not set the doors in the gates. So it's like we're almost done. The gate, the walls are almost rebuilt. I just haven't put the doors on there. Those of you who've been building a house, you know what I'm talking about. It's like, we're done, except for, but it's that last like 10% that takes the longest time. <laughs> They're just about done. Sam Ballard and Geshem sent me this message. Come, these are the enemies, come. Let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of, oh no. <laughs> just so you know, if somebody says, meet them at a place called Ono, oh don't go there. <laughs> but they were scheming to harm me, Nehemiah said. So I sent messengers to them with this reply. I am carrying on a great project. Man, I wish I had an organ right now. <laughs> I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? 
Four times they sent me the same message. And each time I gave them the same answer. Here are the enemies trying to stop them. Here are the enemies saying, hey, 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 come here, come here, come here. Stop what you're doing. Stop, just stop. Stop the prayers. Stop the humility. Stop being a bridge. Stop the unity. Stop the kindness. Come on, stop all of that. Stop standing up for people who can't stand up for themselves. Just stop all of that. Come over here. Let's talk. Let's talk. Let's talk for a second. Let's, let's just talk. It doesn't take all that. It doesn't take all those prayers. It doesn't take all that compassion. It doesn't take all that sacrifice. Come on, come on over here. Chill out. Some of y'all got family members like this. God bless them. Some of us have some loved ones that are like this. Coworkers that are like this. Friends. Come on, just stop. Come on, just stop. It's too much. Why do you even care about God? Why do you even care about church? Why do you even care about those people? It's always going to be like that. The walls are always going to be broken down. There's always going to be problems in this world. There's always going to be the poor. There's always going to be racism. There's always going to be fear. There's always going to be anxiety. There's always going to be divorce. Since there's always going to be that, why even worry? Why even bother about that? Just come over here. Let's just talk. Let's just dial it back. Let's just chill out. Why do you care about the next generation? Who cares about the teenagers? We were all teenagers once too. The kids will be kids. We don't have to care about what, the, what social media is doing into their brains. We don't have to care what pornography is trying to do to their mindset. We don't have to care what the school system might be trying to tell them about themselves. We don't need to care what parents are trying to tell. We don't need to care. Who cares? It's going to be fine. Just come over here. Chill out. Relax. But Nehemiah is smart enough to know You don't sound like my savior. And this is not the mandate that my God gave me. So they're asking him to go to Ono, and he says, oh, no, I'm not going to Ono. He says, uh, I'm carrying on a great project. Why should the work stop? Well, I come down to talk to you. So I sent him that message back. Well, they sent me another message back saying, no, come meet with us. Then I sent them another message back. And then they sent me another message back. Then I sent them another message back. Then they sent me a message back. Then I sent them another message. This is a text message that's going, they got bubbles going up over and over and over. You think the conversation is done? It's not done. You send a text, good night, but you see bubbles again. It's like, hey, you want to talk a little bit longer? It's like, no, good night. They the bubbles again. I want to talk a little bit longer. Oh, good night. I'm done. This conversation is finished. Bubbles again. They want to keep coming back to say, hey, why won't you? Hey, we should. Hey, how come? And they keep coming back, coming back, trying to get Nehemiah distracted from what God called him to do. Dare I say that this world is trying to get the church distracted from what we've been called to do. We've been called to make it on earth as it is in heaven. We've been called to be builders. We've been called to put things back together. We've been called to be a bridge. And as one of my friends said, when you're a bridge, that means you get walked on from both sides. We have been called not necessarily to be right, but to be righteous. We have called not to be the ones that are in power, but to be the ones that are willing to lay down our lives and say, King of kings, Lord of lords, you have all the power. What do you want to do in our lives, through our lives, for your glory? 
we have been the ones that have been called to be a city on a hill to be salt in the earth we have been the ones that have been called to be the representatives of God on this side of heaven why would we dare try to sell our souls to anything of this world when we have a citizenship in heaven my friends we are the hands and feet of Jesus there is no plan B God called us to be the church so would we please be who he called us to be I'm not going to oh no I'm going to be who God has called me to be and build what he called me to build so here they are trying to get him to come down he's like I can't I'm carrying on a great project can't I'm standing in the gap for teenagers I can't come down I'm trying to help with this whole racial reconciliation. I can't come down because I'm trying to stand up for those who are elderly and they don't have anybody to speak for them. I can't come down because I'm standing in the gap for kids because they don't have a voice. I, I, I can't come down because divorce is trying to ravage and tear families apart. So I'm trying to stand in the gap. That's why I'm leading the small group. That's why I'm showing up early. That's why I'm staying late. That's why I'm giving my money. That's why I'm giving my time. Because I'm trying to stand in the gap for somebody. I'm trying to be a builder. I'm trying to be who God has called me to be. And my friends, when you and I operate like this, I need you to know that we're operating the way our Savior operated. Because there was a day that he was on that old rugged cross. And some people shouted at him, if you are who you say you are, come down from the cross. And Jesus, beaten and bloodied, with his arms stretched out on the cross, could say like Nehemiah, I can't come down. I'm carrying on a great project. I'm reconciling the world back to God. And every person who's going to be lost can be found. And every blind eye can be opened. And every heavy heart can experience healing. And every single person who's dead can come back to life in Jesus. I'm so thankful that our Savior didn't come down. And I'm thankful that your pastors and your leaders and you have not come down. Stay in your spot. Be who God has called you to be. And step fully into the plans and purposes he has for you. This concludes the teaching. If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.